This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. My name is Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined really with a roundtable. We're going to go one at a time and say who we are and kind of discuss what we're doing. But for those who are listening, this is a special episode. We're going to call this a way forward into a specific issue that is really relevant, especially this month. And we're going to talk about love, identity, LGBTQ plus community, Pride Month, just so many things. And we have a lot of people here who carry authority and power in either their story or their experiences or what they've been able to be exposed to. So I'm really excited to be here. I'm going to start to my right and start with big man himself. Hey, Chris, good to be with you. Darren Davis, uh, senior leader here at Harbor Church. Julie? Well, I kind of just spoiled it, didn't I? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) The cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Julie Stevens. Last but not least, we have a special guest who we're all really excited who's going to share her story and just give some insight. Mia Rotman. Guys, we're here to have a family discussion. And for those who are listening, that's what the tenor of this is. We're here to just share, dialogue, go after the Father's heart, and just express what we have been led to go into. So I'm going to start off with Mia. Mia, you have such a dynamic testimony, especially in the light of what is going on this month. So can you just generally, can you kind of express why are we here? What's your story leading into you jumping on this microphone? Sure. I think we're here to to give people hope, to know that, that God's in everything and all the details. And I ended up in the LGBTQ community. And I grew up in just very dysfunctional household, very confused, didn't have really an identity or knew who I was or where I was coming from. And I was searching. I was searching for love. I was searching for stability. I was searching for family. And I was actually really searching for God, even when I didn't know that I was. So how old are you when you're experiencing this this search? So the first time around started in college. You know, I was kind of, I was there, I was lost. I was sent to a small liberal arts school in Alabama, being a Florida slash New York girl. So it was a really different atmosphere. And I was I was struggling. I was trying to find where I belonged. And, and I ended up hanging out with a, a group of girls. And, you know, that was my entryway into the community of living life as, as a lesbian for a period of time. Yeah. Have you guys had exposure to family member, close friends who have had, because I have uncles, I have some of my best friends who are gay, who are in that lifestyle, and I love them. Obviously, that impacts the way that that we view things. So I just want to open up to the table if there's anybody who jumps out to you where this is a personal issue in any way that you guys have experienced. Yeah, for sure. I think that I have definitely, but I think that here in South Florida, it would be maybe rare to find somebody who hasn't like just have loved ones, whether it's loved ones in a friendship relationship, people you went to school with, people in your family, um, that, yeah, they've just, they find themselves in this type of identity crisis and in this type of a lifestyle. And, and I love even what you said, Mia, when we first opened it, just hope, the word hope really jumped out at me because hope is something that is a currency that I think, um, will spend well 
you know, in the community around us. Like, yeah. yeah. So definitely have those relationships. Yeah. I was just sharing with Mia actually before we, we jumped on here, you know, just some people very close to Wendy and I, you know, that we've journeyed with over the years that by the grace of God have felt safe to be able to come to us and talk and have a conversation. And, and I think that's, that's over time more and more just opened up deeper empathy, deeper compassion in my heart, really for these ones created in the image of God that, that we would even call friends, you know, and just be able to, to have the privilege of being able to journey with them. It's definitely, I think, a, a moment that we're seeing God's grace even come in this, in this time in human history. So honored to, honored to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I think just to give a disclaimer, like the reason why we're here is it is Pride Month. And we just felt like from Holy Spirit to have a family discussion. And I want to jump back to you, Mia. So you said hope. Mm-hmm. When you were searching and when you were introduced to that lifestyle, did you feel hopeless? What, what, where, where was hope in all that when you were looking? It, it didn't exist because, you know, I'd fall into into this group of people and I'd hang there for a while and then college was over and I came home and started trying to live the straight life again and forgetting any of that ever existed, but I had negative experiences in the world and I was just kind of searching. I never really felt like I like I knew who I was. I didn't feel safe in any any real environment or relationship that I had been in and I was just searching and in and out of different relationships with men at that point. And then as fate had it, I met somebody at work one day and, and just kind of journeyed back into that lifestyle. But I was always searching and I got into the new age movement and all of that and trying to trying to find that power that I could latch on to that was going to give me what I was searching for. And it just, it never filled me. It never filled me. But I would cry out to God. I just didn't I didn't know why I was the way that I was. I didn't know why I thought the way that I thought or felt the way that I felt. And I can go back and find things I've written down, like crying out, show me why I'm even here. You know, why did the things in my family happen? Why did I experience all that? Who are you? Are you really real? The college I went to was actually a religious school that I went to, but I just, I fought everything. I was rebellious. I was angry. Oh gosh, I was so full of just anger because why did I get the life that I had. And if you're real God, then where are you? Interesting that you talk about that. I always wonder how people who are entering into that lifestyle or a part of it view God, view the church. Is it always condemnation? Is it always judgment? Is it always hypocrisy? Like what were you, how are you viewing the church, God, just from an outside perspective as you're in that lifestyle? Well, here's the funny thing. First of all, I grew up Jewish on top of it. So (laughs) just add that into the mix. Yeah. So it was an interesting journey. My view of God, you know, first of all, I was full of shame. Like I, I just knew something wasn't right. I couldn't, I didn't have words to necessarily put to it. But when I was in the lifestyle and the friends that I had, yeah, most of them were pretty much like feeling judged were also in that, that angry place, or they went to a church that was in the neighborhood when I was living, I lived in Welton Manor. So I was actually truly living the lifestyle. There was a church there that people went to, but of course, Jesus wasn't, wasn't really mentioned and, and wasn't the focus of the church. And so they felt like there's just a gathering place to just feel like family. That was the biggest thing with the community was that they then created their own family. They created their own community so that everybody felt ostracized in some form or fashion, at least the people that I spent time with. You know, this is all just the experience I've had. And so they just, we would just all gather together and it was some sense of normalcy, if you will. Yeah. 
we were watching Wendy and I a documentary on on the history of of Pride Month actually just two days ago, and it was it was very insightful because if you think about the overall brokenness in the world that we've all experienced, think about someone who, for example, would be born as a man or a woman, but yet maybe identify with an with another sex, you know, and the confusion of what that may be like. And in the documentary, they were, you know, interviewing or having stories of, of individuals, maybe that weren't even alive, going back even 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that had that struggle. And the tremendous pain uh, that those individuals mm-hmm. walk through having to deal with this. And so, you know, now today, I would say in the culture of this world, this would be pretty normalized. But imagine back then, it, it really wasn't. So how Pride Month came to be was it was an assembling, really, of a community mm-hmm. of people when, I think this is pretty easy to say, when the church really wasn't able to be that place for them. I, I think that there was, and I'm saying that as a, as a generalized statement, obviously not not across the board 100%, but that's where they found that safe place to try to discover who they were or what was going on or identify with other people that were having that same struggle. Yeah. Can we go deeper on that pain? So people have pain and it kind of manifests in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just one way that it manifests. How can someone express their pain healthy? If someone's going through, um, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm struggling, and it manifests in alcohol, manifests in in different ways. How can someone who's hurting, who's listening to this saying, man, I might be struggling with this, and I, I'm inclined to go towards these easier routes. How can someone express their pain healthy in, in a healthy way? I know that God wants us to answer that question for sure, but I want to turn it around and ask another question first. Sure. How do we, based on what Mia said of, with her testimony about community and Darren's follow-up, about even where Pride Month stemmed from, how can we as followers of Jesus, as a spiritual family, what is the Father maybe asking of us? Each of us have individual responsibility, absolutely. But I feel strongly on the highlight on the community aspect mm-hmm. that's been spoken of already at the table. And the the part that we as a spiritual family, as a community of believers, followers of Jesus, have just the stewardship of people's lives, the awesome responsibility, maybe is the phrase, that that we have been, the privilege and responsibility, there you go, that we've been given by the Father just to love people well. Mm-hmm. So how how do we, to answer your, you asked the question, how do we, how do people get to that place mm-hmm. where they can, they can process healthy? I think that setting up a space to where people feel safe is a huge open door. It's like a welcome mat in front of a door that's already open that just says, come on in. There's room here even for you to process out loud. Like when Darren, when you mentioned a little while ago about you and Wendy over the years and people coming to you over the years, there was history with people. I'm hard pressed to believe that somebody just called you up and said, or sought you out and said, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Can we spend time together? I think that people, you did relationship with people. They watched your life. They they realized because these things, that pain has a voice Mm. and it's loud. Yes. Like nobody wakes up and says, I want to be confused in this area, addicted in that area, tormented in these three areas. That comes from unresolved pain. 
And so if we can present a safe place, Holy Spirit can do miraculous things where people like they'll come in and they'll start doing probably what what you and Wendy experienced, where they're just like testing the waters. How much of my story can I share? And then when they saw that they weren't getting immediately cut off at the knee, maybe, or judged, they didn't feel judged. Not that there isn't righteous ways to look at things, but that they could be safe and they weren't necessarily going to get punished. We're all human. We're going to test the waters and see how much can I really open up and still be okay without anybody hurting me. And I think that that is the first thing that God wants us to pay attention to. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's it. Because I mean, think about any of our stories. If, if, if we were to to share whatever part of our journey with whoever, the question would be, will you still, still love, love me, me if you knew this? There you this? go. And so Julie's right. I would say the, the relationships that we've had the privilege to have these conversations with were ones that were established over time and, and that trust was built and established. And and I think that that's, that's such an important thing to, to have right now in what we call the body of Christ or the church, which isn't a building, it's not a denomination, it's not a meeting on Sunday, it's it's people that have really been transformed by the power of God. And if you if you think about the LGBT community or any any sector of our society that has walked through whatever journey in their life, one thing that I've I've seen as I've dove into this a little deeper is, is the pain is is really strong even with their own family because think of the the on the on the family side, they're trying to figure out, oh, my God, it, especially back in the day, it was such a taboo, right? It was like, so the family's going, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do here? I was telling Mia we were watching a story of a, a, of a young Mexican uh, homosexual male who just interacting with his family, trying to tell them what he was experiencing. And the pain on both sides was tremendous. And so within their own households, not even having a safe place to go and express, let alone outside of that. And so if you look at the life of Jesus, when he called his original 12 disciples, I mean, these weren't like holy people that had their lives all together. He somehow created a space where they could journey with one another. And in the midst of that, like the essence of what he carried from the Father, that nature, that persona, it just began to spill out of him onto them. Mm-hmm. And that that's really where it all began for their transformation. And in fact, the accusation from the religious during the day is, why are you hanging out with these sexually immoral people? These these ones addicted to whatever substance. I mean, th- this was the accusation, and he was like, "Well, sick is the uh, are the ones that need a doctor." And so here's where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do with my life. So Mia, let's jump right back into your story. Then, where did your just to jump off with Darren said? Where did your transformation start? Where were you? How old were you? What was going on in your heart where you started to realize, like, man, there's something more for me. So I was probably around 39-ish when somebody at work began to just interact with me. She knew of my lifestyle because at that point I had come out. And so she just continued to encounter me. A lot of it was with scripture, but a lot of it also was discussion and just countering everything that I was saying. And it just had me thinking because I'm I'm very much, a, I'm, I'm always thinking my, you know, my brain goes 24 seven. So I would just replay things that she was saying. And then eventually I agreed to go to church with her <laughs> and began to just encounter. And she had people praying for me. I mean, it wasn't, it was a little bit of a process. And then I was watching um, a church online on TV actually at the time. And my heart just was, was ready. And so, you know, I accepted by myself in my living room, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then 
and she would take me to different churches over over a period of time. I kind of did what I called the circuit. Like I went to all kinds of different churches and different communities and, and ethnic backgrounds and everything. She like exposed me to everything. And then one day I just was like, yeah, I, I need to do this publicly. And, and I, I, was, I would go to one particular church a lot by myself. And I just, altar call, I went up and that was it for that. And I publicly then declared, even though privately I had done it, I was actually in a relationship through all of this. So I was I was in a lesbian relationship through all of this. And then over time, I just started feeling more and more, I'll say, kind of convicted, like, if this wasn't right, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? And things just began changing. I was living in the heart of Wilton Manor, going out three and four nights a week. There was definitely alcohol. There were drugs. There was, you know, it was all of it. It was just continually just keeping busy. And then eventually, I moved out of the neighborhood, I split up with the person. We broke up. And... Well, I had been water baptized, sorry, before that. She found my baptism certificate, and that was kind of the end of it because I didn't share it with her. I just did it. And then I moved out of the neighborhood probably 10 minutes from the church right here and just started really kind of just getting into the Word a bit and going to church, and it was a process. The whole thing's a process. I mean, it wasn't a light switch, but I wanted, I was searching for God with all the different things, with living the New Age lifestyle and everything that went with that and always kind of just wanting to know who I was, who I was really. Yeah, and so it's just been a process. There's so many things. It's the reason why I love yeah. these conversations. Yeah. That transformation is incredible, and Jesus can flip your life on a switch, like you said. Amazing. Yeah. Two things jumped out to me when you were talking. First thing, why? Why did you say yes to Jesus? What was it that you felt called to leave a lifestyle? What was it about what you were hearing, what you were experiencing, that you would walk away from that? You know, one of the things that this person was saying to me, because the, the thing that I was most challenged with was the fact that I was Jewish, how, along with also being gay. But <laughs> <laughs> so it was the two that I was battling with, which was really unique and interesting. And she let me know that to get past the, the, the Jewish part of it was in accepting Jesus and I'm becoming complete. And that really resonated with me. I'm becoming complete never felt complete before, never felt accepted before, you know, and I would listen to this pastor on TV and all he continually talked about was God's love, not God's judgment or anything like that. It was all about God's love. That's all I ever heard. And it just started really speaking to my heart and to my mind. And I just felt like, wow, this is something I want to know more about. Can I hit on yeah, yeah, the go, go word it. that she just said? that I think is important for this conversation. She said the word complete. And I actually have right here in front of me, I, I just felt to pull it out, this little note that I'd written down on something I've been working on. But out of James chapter 1, verse 4, he says, but let patience, and, and that word literally means cheerful endurance. Yeah. So it's talking about the process, this process that Mia's explaining here, have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The, the crazy thing, and I'm going to actually be teaching on this here at Harbor in a couple of weeks, but Jesus says, I want you to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, that's a radical statement, but, yeah. but if you understand the meaning of that word, it means to be whole, to be complete, to be the exact person that you were always intended to be in the heart of the Father. And I think like in our life, we're, we're looking for our true self. We're trying to discover who am I 
that's the question. That's the pain point, really. And we don't have anyone to show us the way. Because if you remember, that's, been, that's normally the problem. And, and when Jesus was even with his disciples, they were like, show us the Father, show us the Father. And he's like, guys, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what I've been challenged with in some of my studies is when people see us, meaning me as a quote-unquote Christian, do they see the Father? Am I actually able to give away to someone else what I've actually received for me? <laughs> this, this discovery of coming into this complete space, because that's what Jesus paid for. And we haven't seen that kind of power and authority really demonstrated because we've been judging others out of our own inadequacy. We're, we're seeing the splinters in someone else's life while we have the, the log in our own because we haven't come to experience this accomplished work of Jesus in what he came to give to humanity. Because if you think about whoever in whatever realm of brokenness that they're in, they are created in the image of God. They are God's children right? They are, they are ones fashioned in his image, and he has a longing for them to be perfect, complete, whole, reconciled to their true identity as a son and as a daughter. The other piece is, I didn't feel alone anymore. With Jesus, I didn't feel alone anymore. I want to jump in real quick. You didn't feel alone anymore, but even just in our friendship over the last few years, I know that one of the things that I'm, I keep thinking of Chris's initial question a few minutes back about, it was like a, a personal ask for somebody who's, who wants to get healing or wants to like what steps or some, I forget the way that you, that you posed the question, but I feel like there's a link between what's going on in my head right now about some of your story and just us being friends and doing some life together in the last few years, man an answer to his question. And so you didn't feel alone anymore with Jesus, but I believe that we've, we've talked about before that you still, there was still this, uh, almost like a, a battle, mm -hmm. so to speak, to really dive into community. Yes. And, and I think that if there was a practical, I'm making such a broad statement, guys, please give me grace on this, but a practical, like what could somebody do that it's like, taking a risk to put yourself out in community. And I know that you, like, can you tell us a little bit, Mia, even like coming to a regular weekly gathering over a certain amount of time was transformative. Mm -hmm. You had your initial transformative encounter with Jesus. And then it went, the next layer was going on on a somewhat regular basis to a bigger collective gathering right and there was transformation there but let's talk about for a second let's get into the nitty-gritty oh boy yeah <laughs> that that tension that season or those seasons where there was tension that you were feeling to go even deeper mm -hmm. because we can come in we can be really really good with Jesus and we can be experiencing levels of real transformation in our lives, just us and Jesus. And then we go to a bigger assembly and it's good. But because I know a little bit of, of your history, the real fruit, the, the juicy fruit, <laughs> the juicy fruit <laughs> came when you got, you took the risk and yeah. you started putting yourself into smaller community, not like showing up and saying, Hey, here's all my stuff. Necessarily. Right. It's just like, doing life with people, 
because I think that some people that might be listening, that might be one of the takeaway mm-hmm. to answer Chris's question a few minutes back. So what can you say about that? Yeah, I had been saved for, for quite a while, a few years for sure. But I absolutely still had major walls up out of and there was there was fear. Who is going to be okay with my past, right? Especially if some moments we feel like we're not okay with our past. Right. Even though and Jesus working that out in us. Right. right. I was still going through, you know, dealing with identity stuff, with shame, with just not that I was confused about who I would be attracted to in in essence, because Jesus was working all of that out. And that took a while. That wasn't a light switch either. But just digging in with people, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think that really started happening until I came to Harbor, where I felt safe. I tested the water. I came here before. The first time I came here, I literally would just come in the doors and I'd sit down and and I would just kind of cross my arms like, yeah, don't don't anybody come talk to me. It's okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Just let me sit here. <laughs> and there were these three women. I don't I don't know a couple of their names and they would just kind of check on me every once in a while and try to love on me. And I was like, okay, I'm good. Thanks. Nice to see you. Great. Okay. <laughs> and then little by little, Holy Spirit did what Holy Spirit does. And little by little, I started to get more and more comfortable. And I would start to kind of get into things. And I'd look around and I'd recognize people. And eventually, when I when I came back the second time, and I went to the Tuesday night group, Julian, that's where I met you. That was where I was like, okay, is this is this going to be it for me? I, am I going to really be able to call this home and like build relationships here? And the turning point for me was in that Tuesday night prayer group when I could when I actually got the courage to just come out and say what my lifestyle had been, and that was the first time I'd ever publicly declared it. And what was the response from the the collective group? Because the collective there was a whole room full of people. Yeah, they literally just gathered around me and started praying. There you go, guys. Yeah. Because but it took risk. It took risk and it took time, but it took risk. Yeah. But God was all over it. 100%. Because the love I felt in that room was indescribable and, and immeasurable. And that, that was God. There was no question about it. And then that's shortly thereafter I made my decision to just jump in here. And it's been the place that I've had the most healing, the most space to, to do it felt the most love, felt the most accepted. Like it didn't matter. My past didn't matter. There's nothing I could say that mattered to anybody. It was just acceptance. And I had room to work out what I needed to work out. And I've grown so much since I've been here. Let me ask another question, which I already know the answer to, but for the sake of anybody who's listening. <laughs> um, does that mean that there weren't any uncomfortable conversations? Oh, no. There are definitely... <laughs> There are lots of uncomfortable conversations. But overall, there was safety. Yes. If the conversations were being had, there was a love at the center. And so you could go there with, with people in community. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The community you were looking for. Yeah. Right? The community you were seeking yep. and you found temporary. And yeah. it's the community that you end up looking for. I'm thinking right now of the listener who's in their car or on their phone. And I'm thinking of family members who... They might not agree. There was something that you you mentioned earlier in your testimony, Mia, that I wanted to talk about. You said when you were initially talking to your friend who started to talk to you about Jesus, Mm -hmm. you felt like there was always a counterpoint to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. So it came across, did did you feel defensive? Were you having to like defend what you were believing, what you, how you were living to somebody else? I did. And that's the part, you know, Julie, there was a point when we talked about what I had gone through when I first walk through to getting saved 
And I said, there are certain, there are certain things I don't know that I really love that happen. And you questioned me and said, well, then how would you do it different? How would you do it different? And I think if I were to walk through that again, she was doing the best she could. She was following what she felt was the Lord. And obviously it was fruitful and, and it worked, but I would have done it and I would do it in the future with just more love. Not so much, like you said, Darren, at one point, I think the, the guy that you had been speaking with, everyone was like coming out with scripture and, and there, was, there was kind of just almost the condemnation from it. That's not, in my opinion, what's the best way to do it. And there isn't a recipe for it, but I would have really liked more love in it, more understanding. And I feel like I probably would have come to it sooner and, and I think it would have helped with my healing. Well, it leads to the conversation it's a very sensitive issue. Yeah. And there's a lot of energy and a lot of animosity and just pain. People might be feeling, even defenders who are not in that lifestyle, but feel that they have to defend their friend, their family. Can we talk about how to, with wisdom and grace, discuss this, approach this? Mia talked about it more love. How have you guys dealt with it in the past? What's a way in which the listener who's, who's tuning in right now and they have a friend or they have someone in their family who is very ardent about anti-church or the way that the church approaches this issue specifically. What are practical ways for them? I, I am wrecked right now by Mia's testimony, actually. I am, I am so overcome because I feel the awe of God in this moment. Because I want to just say this. This needs to be said. Like The fact that this community known as the harbor, and that group of people had the grace of God somehow in that moment through what Jesus had done in them to respond in the way they did in that moment is overwhelming to me. And I actually, instead of feeling, oh, we've got it together, I actually fall on my knees. Like I could fall on my knees right now and just bow my bow to my king and say, wow, the fact that you would enable us to have the ability by your grace to even love like that is just overwhelming to me, really. Because, you know, when we, we mention things like what Mia's saying, the process would have looked more like love. I don't even know if we understand what the love of God is. Because for some, they might think, well, that means that you're you're going to agree with where I'm at. That, that's what love looks like. Or, or, I mean, there's so many different angles to this right now, which makes this space so contentious. But if you think about Jesus, and this is what is intriguing me and pulling me closer and closer to the Father, where I want to see this come forth from my life like it did from the Lord's, from Jesus's, that when he met even the woman at the well, he, he actually told her exactly where she was at oh. in life. It wasn't like he was ignoring her process or even not going there with her. Somehow there was an opening of the heart and that when he said that to her, she didn't feel condemned, but she for sure felt moved because he even said like, hey, you know, I was asking you for a drink of water, but if you knew who was sitting before you, you'd be asking me for things. And that's where I don't know if we realize like the ability for Christ working through an authentic, spotless bride in the earth that's really died to their old self and now been made new in him, the possibility of what that could mean to somebody else's transformation 
I mean, we're not talking about religious activity here. We're talking about overflow of a transformed life that's able to, to spill out into somebody else's and somehow see that same transformation come to them. And that's, that's what happened that night in that prayer group. I, I am undone right now by the fact that I, this is the first time I'm hearing this, and I'm overwhelmed because I think that's what we're talking about here. It's like, <laughs> you know, when, when Paul is talking about present yourself as a living sacrifice, you know, where you are no longer that same person. You're dead to who you once were and become now alive to God. That, that's, what he's, that's what he's saying to the Romans. Talk, think about the Roman Empire. If you want to talk about crazy stuff that was going down in the culture that time, go back and research what was happening in Rome. And this is what he was saying to them. This is your reasonable service. Die to who you were, because that's what Christ paid for, for your old man to, to, to be put in the grave. Be resurrected in newness of life, this power that's otherworldly that's going to come and, and renew you to who you were always intended to be. And then he, he says this. He says, don't be conformed any longer to the world or the pattern of this world. He's talking about culture. Like there's another culture that, that has taken over that came through Adam. And we were born into that. We didn't choose that. That was something that we were all born into. So there's no finger pointing to anybody here. We were all born into that reality. And we all have our own story. This is Mia's story and so many other people's story that could be listening to this. But everybody, trust me, everybody has a story. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And he says, by the renewing of your mind, through the washing of the water of the word, that you may prove or put on display what is good and acceptable and perfect. There's that word again. Complete, whole, the will of God for your life. And I think that that's where it's the opening of the heart. Back in Jesus' day, a lot of people were preaching the word. But when he came, they're like, oh my gosh, here's somebody that has authority. That word was somehow going into their hearts as they were listening to it. And there was this burning within that was taking place as he was talking because it was coming from an authentic place himself. And... So authenticity is the, is one of the keys for sure, right? It Dude? has to be. Yep. It has to be. And I think that's why the world has been so disillusioned with quote unquote whatever religion that's out there when they when they get in or they meet whatever person. And again, this is no condemnation to those individuals because maybe they don't even know better. I mean, we've all been in those spaces, I'm sure, myself included. But when they see somebody who's authentic and has really met the Lord and had authentic transformation themselves. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And Jesus was modeling that, not just because he could do it as God in the flesh, yet gave gave up all those divine privileges and took on human form. He modeled it to show us what's possible for us, for what's possible for us who have been transformed by him. I am amazed by what happened to you that night. It's so funny. We say, um, pun on words here, but we're not perfect church. And and that means that we're in our own perfectly finished work of Jesus that's still in process because we're growing in love. We're growing in the understanding of what the love of God is all about, which was Jesus manifest in the earth. He was love incarnate and the reflection of the nature of the Father, right? Which if you probably talk to so many people, they're going to trace so much of their brokenness back to 
the natural father that they had or absence of father or authority figure, father, or spiritual leader, father, mother, whatever. And that's where the brokenness came in. Wow, what if that could be turned around, Chris? What would that look like? As we wrap things up here, there are a lot of things that we didn't even touch on. There are a lot of things that people still need process and dialogue. If there's one thing that a listener who has someone on their heart right now and they want to see transformation in their life, can you guys give something for them, a practical, a word, a prayer, something for that individual in their life? Because like Judy mentioned earlier, we know somebody who's in a struggle like this and we want to see transformation. So can we give this listener an opportunity to express that or follow after something? For me, the one there, there's a parable in the Bible. It's, it's the one of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And I was reading that, and this just gave me such a glimpse, really, of the father, the father's heart for his, for his children, for all of us. When the prodigal son decided that he was going to come home, I'm not going to go through the whole, the whole story, but he was coming home with just this feeling of lesser self, that, that he was a failure and, and all of that, totally paraphrasing, right? And the father saw him from a distance, and he just started running to him. He didn't care what he'd been through. He didn't care what he had done. He didn't care about any of the, the history that had happened since he left home. He just wanted him back. He loved him, and he wanted him back, and he was so happy that he was coming home. And that's what I want to leave some with. The father it loves you no matter what, and no matter what has happened, he can't wait to have you home again. And there is hope. And all things are possible. So there's always hope. To jump off that exact illustration, I think so often about that son. And though he felt unworthy, which was not the truth, to be in his father's household, that was proven differently when he made his way back home and the father runs to him. He wasn't satisfied with where he was at. In fact, he, he thought about his surroundings and his acquaintances and his situation and he was like, I don't want this anymore. And he began to ask questions. And, and I remember even in my own life, I just started to say stuff like, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And I did not like it. So I'd say to the listener, if, if, if you're good with where you're at, hey, that probably ended conversation right there. But if you're like wanting something more, if you feel that thing on the inside, like where I'm at right now is, is not the end all be all start asking some questions because even Jesus said, Mia's mentioned the word salvation. Let's take it a little deeper. He said, blessed are the poor or those, it's not talking about physically or financially poor. He's talking about people that have need of God. Blessed are those that have need of God for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it moves even deeper past salvation or being saved or rescued to actually his rule, his his authority now starting to take over your life. And so it's, it's not just heaven for tomorrow, it's heaven for today. And he said, blessed are those, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I think when people start to just say, hey, I'm not okay with where I'm at, I'm going to start to ask someone bigger than me for help, he'll show up, he'll come running. Yeah. And I want to challenge and invite someone to just give that a go, see, how, see, see what might happen just by starting to see God. That's so good. Amen to that. 
I guess I'll just throw in uh, an answer to your question, Chris, for those people that might be listening right now and they have friends or neighbors or coworkers or loved ones that are, that, that, you know, are just in this, this way of life right now, or maybe they're angry. Maybe they're, they have walls up. Maybe they're, you just see them in so much pain and you want to help them. You believe that God has an amazing plan for their life, but they're just not walking in it yet. My encouragement to you is to get alone with the father in your own way, because it's encounters with God that transform people like for real and out of the overflow of our own levels of encounter with a father who has all the things that we've heard discussed at this table on his heart, they were actually able to give that away with power on it to other people. And so you, like we honor as a table right now, we honor anyone right now who is just filled with like stirred in the spirit and, and has the, the, the healthy zeal of the Lord to go out there and to see people around them brought into sexual wholeness, especially in a season like this, a month like, like June is National Pride Month. But if you really want to give something away that has real eternal impact, you have to get deeper encounters for yourself first. And then without the preachiness, you just show up and you live your life on purpose in the place of love towards other people. And Holy Spirit will do the rest. Mm. Yeah, he'll do the rest. Just want to say thank you to all three of you for your yes. Thank you to Mia for sharing your testimony and being vulnerable and bringing Darren to his knees. <laughs> yeah. um, Literally, but in my heart. I, I, I couldn't quite do it here get at off this the table, floor, but man, I wanted to. For those who are listening, I hope this encourages you. More to come. The conversation doesn't end here. It continues like with what Julie says in your intimate moments with the Father and times with your family and in times with friends and neighbors and here at the harbor. And we love you guys and we can't wait to keep this conversation going. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.